Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. I wish when I was starting out, I had the chance to overhear conversations between two entrepreneurs who were trying to figure out during a difficult time like this, what problems are there out there? What solutions for those problems could we create? And how to not make millions, not to start new businesses, but what problems could we personally solve? And how can we do it based on our prior experiences, our network? What forces do we have to bring together to solve these problems? What are the next steps? And so that's why I love it when I have Sam Parr on, because we start off just like continuing a conversation about, hey, here are the problems I'm trying to solve. Can I help you? Can you help me? Let's riff. Let's just brainstorm on more and more problems and issues and solutions and how we would execute on these things and on and on. It's just like retaking Entrepreneur 101 when I talk to Sam and it's just nonstop brainstorming of ideas. So please give me feedback on, on this one and the last podcast with Sam. Sam's going to be a regular guest and we're just going to talk about solving problems, building companies. And yes, that leads to making money, hopefully not just for us, but for all of us. So here's the the latest podcast with Sam Parr. Very excited. Not only am I very excited about this, but I had to delay this releasing this one because I re- talk about an idea that I've been heavily, heavily working on for a new business I'm creating. Enjoy the podcast. I'm driving home from um, from Texas. I had to go to Austin. Here, Sarah, show James real quick. Pick up the camera. Look, look where I am. It's 110 degrees. I don't know how anything can live. Like I don't, I don't. I'm not a scientist, but I, I'm I'm shocked if any living virus can live in this heat. I don't understand how people can. Like Phoenix is a, you're you're probably near Phoenix, right? So it's 110 degrees. I drove I drove through there. It was so hot. Like. It was crazy. Yeah, I I don't understand. There's a famous um, song that I like, and they say, why lizards live in Scottsdale, Arizona, I I understand, but why people do and call it home, I'll never understand. And that's how I feel right now. And what were you doing in Austin? I have an office there, and I had to go and check in with everyone, and I wanted to get out of California. How come you wanted to get out of California? I was quarantined up, and it was cold, and I was like, I need a, like, I need space. So I rented a, a pretty big house in Austin. I told you. I told you to do it. I went and did it. Yeah, well, I did it as well. After talking to you, like, literally, like, the day after, I'm in Key Biscayne, Florida. <laughs> Are you really? Yeah, that's why there's, like, light and greenery right behind me. This, I have, we, sight unseen. I've never even been to Key Biscayne, Florida. Sight unseen. We went on a real estate site, and we, rent, we got a year rent. <laughs> So, That's awesome. Are we? Yeah. Are we? Are we recording? This is this is funny. Yeah, we're so, we're live. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. What? But what is? What? Where? Where in Florida? 
Key Biscayne. It's like a key, like slightly south of Miami. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, so once I got off the phone with you the other time, that I did the same thing. I went. I've been. I was in Texas for uh, three, four weeks. Yeah, you know, it was smart because not only for kind of the you know looking at the economic factors of what's going to happen to first tier cities versus second tier cities, which is what we talked about the last time, but just. I don't know if you felt this way, but like New York City was getting kind of depressing. Well, and and since we last talked, all the uh, George Floyd stuff happened and it got even worse. Yeah. And then there was kind of this hypocrisy that happened on top of it. Like, fine, I'm fine, you know, with the peaceful protests. In fact, Robin, my wife and I, we went even went to uh, some of the protests with our kids. But, you know, I also run a bar slash comedy club and we were shut down having a socially distant outdoor comedy show while 50,000 people were gathering yeah. downtown to protest. Like, and you can't get angry about this stuff because it's silly. Like, what am I going to do? Call up the government and say, nah, like, so I just did just, you know, you have to take action when you're angry. And this was the action we took. <laughs> Good. Um, and so do you have your apartment there anymore? Yeah, we kept the apartment in New York. I mean, my kids are there. They're all, you know, older, so they're doing their thing. And just Robin and I moved down here for, you know, we'll go back and forth. Did you fly? I flew, yeah. And it's funny, a lot of people ask me, are you are you afraid of flying? But um, no. <laughs> you flew normal, commercial? Yeah. Wait, is that why you drove? Yeah, I didn't fly. I drove to Austin and I brought my big pit bull, my huge dog, and... Uh, I'm on my way back to California, but Austin, Austin's a great second tier city. And I got, I, I couldn't, I mean, I have a lot of friends in Austin. I have a lot of friends in South Florida, but also I kind of like the lockdown lifestyle. Like I like being indoors all day and not going out and doing remote podcasts. And I just don't like the lockdown environment outside. Like I don't like the way people are, are, arguing with each other, how media is, how social media is. I give you full credit. Like you were, you were calling it. And I think you're right. Like I look around New York city and it just feels depressing and all the reasons for being in, and I'm not trashing New York city. And there's also the counter argument that New York city always bounces back, but the key reasons for being there, business, culture, food, all, you know, networking, all of those reasons are at least temporarily gone and who knows how long they'll be gone. Yeah. It's going to change my, uh, my father-in-law, who lives in New York City, is going to be moving to spending a lot of time in Florida now. You just oh, really? think about like the taxes and stuff like that. You're like, ah, what's the point right now? Um, yeah, I don't know when things bounce back, and I don't know when things stop getting more negative. Like the trend of news is getting more and more negative. If, if you think about this decade, January one, Australian wildfires, but you don't even remember that. Like whatever, did those wildfires go out? <laughs> Yeah, who it, 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 it didn't even register. Right then, January third, World War Three with Iran. Then, then Iran disappeared, and it was all impeachment hearings. Then coronavirus. Then these protests, and then who knows what's next? Everything's going crazy. Yeah, it is nuts, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you was about like trends and business opportunities that you're seeing with all this going on. Um, yeah, happy to talk to you. Let's let's exchange ideas. All right, so here's something that's interesting to me. I have a whole list, too. Oh, okay. I don't have a li I have a list in my brain. We'll see if I can rattle a few off. Okay, hey.com. Did you see hey.com? 
I did. It's like, uh, but I, I only for a few seconds. It's basically like a, another email. It's like a super superhuman or or proton. Yeah. So I'll try to give the background to your listeners. So basically, um, AOL people paid money for AOL, and one of the things that they got with their ten dollars a month was an AOL email account, and a lot of people still use it. Do you know that AOL still makes roughly six hundred million dollars a year from their email subscription? I, I only know that from seeing you post about it on either Facebook or Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, so like it's still quite a thing. And so over the past two years, um, two new email services that I know of have launched. The first is Superhuman. And the whole shtick behind that is that they you never use a mouse. So it's all uh, keyboard stuff, which is generally faster, though it is tougher to learn. And then the second thing is it's all about getting to inbox zero. So they have a variety of features to help you do that. Now, yesterday, Jason Fried, founder of 37 Signals, which is a... Uh, world-renowned yeah. product or I mean they have a they have a product called Basecamp but then he's just kind of famous for his interesting philosophies on business which some people like some people don't and his whole shtick is craftsmanship so he like works really hard to make something perfect and so he launched hey.com and this this whole premise is similar to what, uh, this is why I wanted to bring it up uh, first of all it's all about making your email inbox less cluttered and less noisy but secondly it's all about privacy and so they uh, they disp- they ban any type of tracking. So you know when you send a newsletter, you can see you have a fifty percent open open rate. You're not going to see that with Hey.com users. Um, they also don't sell any advertising in their email. They don't sell any of the data, which Yahoo, Gmail, and all that do. And um, the buzz on Twitter amongst our like somewhat elitist tech friend nerds, which we run in that same circle, um, it's blowing up. Hey.com is blowing up, and it's a little similar sentiment than what you've said which is i'm a, i don't want to i don't want to be on social media that much right now i don't want more noise i don't want anyone spying on me things like that um are you what do you think about this do you think this is going to actually take off like uh, well you know it's an interesting thing because the i always wonder about the privacy issue the privacy issue is spoken about a lot but when i talk to like when i talk to like you or my friends in tech, everybody talks about privacy. If I go to Cincinnati and I'm at the Skyline Chili, uh, you know, eating whatever and talking to the waiter or waitress, they don't even know what privacy is. So I always wonder if this is just like kind of always a sort of, you, you know, libertarian tech thing, because or, or is this something that people actually care about? Like I care about it and you care about it, but as a product, do, do 300 million other people care about it? Okay, well, let me give you a data point. So I ask myself that too, which is like, do I just care about it because I work on things that like control the internet a little bit and I understand how it works and how like vulnerable people are. But I uh, spoke to Tim Wessergen, the founder of Pandora. Um, and one of the, uh, Pandora is very middle America, yeah. main, a, a mainstream product. And so he, uh, he sees a lot of insights. And he told me that the average American, which or the average Pandora user, which is a typical like uh, someone in uh, Skyline, a, a dentist who plays Pandora in the background uh, 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 in Cincinnati, Ohio, they are nervous about privacy, and they actually he noticed that people would not sign up because like uh, uh, for privacy reasons. But here's here's uh, another counterpoint. So like you're considering. 
Texas from California and part of the, and I'm considering Florida from New York. And part of the reason is, as you even brought up, uh, there's no state taxes in these two states. So it used to be the IRS would look at your utility bills and so on and try to figure out if you're really a resident of New York or you're a resident of Texas or Florida. So now though, they, they will subpoena your phone records and they see the towers at any given moment that your phone is attaching to, um, to get its signal. And that's how they determine whether you're spending more time in Florida or California or Texas or New York. And our privacy is compromised. I, I bring that up just as one example of all the many ways our compromise is, is our privacy is compromised in so many ways. And particularly now when, when they start doing contact tracing, like in New York City, new law just passed as of today, uh, everybody who goes into a residential building has to sign in to that building and show ID because Crazy. they, yeah, because they need to know who your visitors are to see if just in case you get coronavirus, supposedly they contact and they know everybody who you've seen. So I don't know if anything really, we could try to fight this battle, but I don't know if it, it, it already feels like minority report. Like, I don't know if we're going to win this battle. Well, I don't know either. But I do know I could build some cool stuff that uh, maybe will help fight it just a little bit, and I could probably make a lot of money along the way. Uh, right. And so the que <laughs> the question is like, so when I look at my email, and 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 let's say I do care about privacy, so that's great. Oh, you're gonna give me privacy? That's great. You're gonna. By the way, the that's not that's not their only shtick, but it is a big one. Right. Like so, and I like the fact that it doesn't track me on the newsletters because I. What I would like is some way, you know, you mentioned this in in your trends letter today, actually, that organization is is becoming on top of people's minds, maybe because they've been locked in, so it's been harder to be organized. But if I look away from my Gmail for an hour, I don't even know, it's so many emails go by, I don't even know what happened. So if there's a better way to actually organize my emails, okay, here are the ones that are obviously... And, and Gmail tries to do this, but here are the ones that are obviously personal messages. Here's the ones that are obviously newsletters and you've opened them 12 times in the past. So we like them. And here's the ones that you don't really care about, but you might want to look at later or, or not like, and Gmail tries to do this, but I wish there was like better technology for that. So do you think, Hey, uh, satisfies that? I think that it is. My prediction is that they're going to. Okay. So when predicting like this trend, I, I have to really work hard to get out of my bubble and think, like, are am I just being, like, a tech libertarian elitist who has first, only has first-world problems? Or is this, like, actually an issue that everyone or a lot of people worry about? And my prediction, I think, is that, yes, more people are going to worry about that. And if yes, I think that people who are users of Hey.com uh, it's going to be like this weird email service that people are going to brag about that they're part of this cult where you can't yeah. be tracked. And so here, I'll give you another example. I would love, I want to talk, I want to keep talking about Hey.com because what I, what I want to ask you is what other services can we do this to? But here's another one that people are doing it to, which is search duck, duck, go. I am driving. Right. Well, well also, so when you said Hey.com and you described it, the first thing I thought was why doesn't duck.com um, you know, by the way, they, they, they Google gave them duck.com, um, the, the URL, but why doesn't, uh, duck, duck go, uh, just do this email. It sounds like it fits right into their idea. Well, I think that the, the, uh, you have to look at the founder DNA, which is like the guys that, Hey, 
are like very consumery product focused. And I think that Gabe at uh, Duck is that what it's called now? Duck Duck. Uh, he probably still calls it DuckDuckGo, but I know Google officially gave him the URL DuckDuckCom. Oh, cool. I, well, I think that it's not in his DNA to like launch this, uh, launch like a new subscription thing. But I'm telling you, James, I'm driving through rural Texas, rural Arizona, which have a, a mix of of union liberals and um, like very strong Trump lover Republicans. There, there is a ton of DuckDuckGo uh, billboards all over the place. Really. All over the place. I've That's seen. Interesting. I, I'm not exaggerating. I've seen 40 of them uh, yesterday driving in rural in the rural area. And if you go to DuckDuckGo, is interesting. You can actually Google DuckDuck. I'm saying Google it. DuckDuck. Google <laughs> DuckDuckGo like usage, and they have a dashboard where you could see their search queries per month. It is growing exponential, exponentially. Like uh, if you look that up, uh, I, I don't know how many. I can't remember how many there are, but it's many, many, many billions, and it's been the it's a hockey stick growth. Yeah, no, I mean, I um, I've had Gabe on a couple of times on the podcast, and he's he's loving life. Like Duck, I mean, that's basically the only competitor to Google at the moment in terms of you know they're they're different from Google, and they're not trying to be Google, and they're actually now more than just a blip in search. So yeah, it's worth a try. The only thing I would say is try to find other services that would be fun for the user so that I can say, hey, not only am I avoiding something negative like privacy, but I'm also enjoying something positive. Can you figure out how to improve it with your phone? Yeah, that's interesting. So maybe if I'm like you're passing by like Arizona, maybe, I don't know, but this feels like a privacy thing. I was going to suggest like you get your, you know, e you know, you get reminded of what emails you've gotten in the past that you've read from people who live in Arizona, but then that's like an invasion of privacy. <laughs> It is. Well, what I would, what I think is interesting is I think that um, I've, I've seen a few folks try to do this where the, they try to build these flip phones and make them um, more common. And uh, I actually am bullish on that. I think that uh, flip phones, dumb phones, we'll call them dumb phones, are going to be a lot more popular than they are now. Well, that could be because, again, look at that um, example where they, they know where you are at all times because of how your smartphone is connecting to the internet you know, maybe with flip phones, it's easier to just turn it off. So, and you could have multiple dumb phones. You know, you have your one in one state, you have another in another state and so on. And that's how you keep your, your privacy. But um, uh, I'm trying to think like what I, the ideal things I would like in a, in a phone. So here's, here's one thing. I always, particularly I noticed this during this lockdown, I always want to drop a note to people and, you know, maybe people I haven't heard from in a while and just say, hey, how's it going? Uh, you know, haven't heard from you in a while, or hey, I'm just checking in. You okay during this time? And it would be neat if there was a, a an email service that reminded me of essentially who are the people I've through the years kept an email contact with, and now I can have you know it just pops up. Hey, you want to do kind of like your hey networking for the day, and in three seconds I can I could just drop a note and keep in touch with four different people I haven't uh, spoken to in six months. So that's like a positive service. That's a good one. I like that one. That that those um, that would be in the form of like a, e like a you know, you know what are shockingly large businesses is Chrome plugins and um I believe uh email plugins like Gmail plugins go in the category of Chrome plugins. Right, but I never use a, I never use plugins. I'm always afraid of the security on plugins. So I would rather have it built into an email service that hey I'd like to do some basic networking through this email service.
That's interesting. I like that. Um, another interesting thing about Hay is, well, first of all, okay, so this whole thing of like privacy and also um, there's definitely a touch of exclusivity with Hay. Uh, you know, like having James at Hay.com is pretty neat. That, that They've done a good job of doing that. But what are other services that we kind of forget even like that we're like, wait a minute, it doesn't have to be this way. You can you can change this like emails one searches another. And not only like you can change this to fit, but you could also charge people money for it. Again, I think I think kind of your social map, like let's say, oh, I haven't talked to, you know, Sam in six months and uh, do, and it pops up like, hey, do you want to kind of just do a your brief three second networking with Sam. And then I know my social map with you, like Sam and you both know this person. And it's because we both have been in the same thread with some other person. So maybe it pops up other stuff. I just, I keep thinking of networking cause I'm such a lousy networker and, you know, maybe again, increase, you know, helping me understand my own networking habits a little better and improving them seems like it should be a part of email because that's, is how I network. That's interesting. Do you remember branched out? Yeah, is that the one? Was that like an idea map, or was that no, or was that like a a, a kind of a so, LinkedIn sort of uh, map? Yeah, so there's this crew of guys. Their name is James Courier and Rick Marini, and uh, I've met them a while ago. And basically, they launched this company called Tickle. Do you remember Tickle? No, it was it was dumb to be honest. But what they revolutionized, and this was what year was this? This was maybe before 2000. What they revolutionized was uh, they basically made all these like things where you like click a button and you invite all your email contacts. So they like they revolutionized like the vi virality loops is what they were really early pioneers of. And so they sold this company Tickle to it was like a I think Tickle was a, they made like quizzes um, like which Harry Potter character are you? So I don't know how it made money, but they sold it for a hundred million dollars. And then they did the same thing with branched out. And it was exactly what you're describing. And they went from zero to like 60 million users literally in eight months. And they did wow. what you were describing. Um, and then after they got to like, I think they got to 80 million users, it, it, it crashed because it was a stupid product. But the virality loops was crazy. And the whole premise was you have LinkedIn, you have Gmail, you have Facebook, you have Twitter. But it's still quite hard to imagine who do I know in my network who does X, Y, and Z? Or who does my network know and how can I connect with them? That was the whole problem they were solving. And so for this idea that you're thinking about, it's pretty, it, it is quite interesting. I would definitely want to research branched out and see like where they screwed up because it was quite interesting. Yeah, or or actually, and this goes along with your, your newsletter from today. Um, is there an auto commerce aspect here? Like just analyzing your emails. And again, not from a, privacy perspective because it'll just be private to you and and the software but oh you know james we saw that um you know oh you got an amazon receipt for toilet paper uh, a month ago and do you want to do a reorder so so the auto commerce happens within the email as opposed to giving your data to all these other auto commerce solutions so i i haven't read our trends email because i've been i've been on the road yeah and I, I need to read it and see if they've mentioned this um but do you know that when you go to... They mentioned hey, by the way. Yeah, I, well, because I was talking to our writers about it. Um, but I haven't... Even, when, I, when, I, when they send it out, I read it for the first time. And I, I'm, I'm like a user. I am a user. Um, did you know that when you go to Kroger or Safeway or where, where, uh, Publix, um, you know how you enter in your phone number to get a deal? 
Yeah. They're really, you know, tracking all of your buying patterns so they can understand inventory and preferences and things like that. And have you heard the story about a 16-year-old girl who Target was sending her pregnancy, like, um, baby diaper ads and shit like that. And the father was like, I don't know if the story is true, but they, this is like a story in about habits. And the father was like, Hey, Target, why are you sending my daughter? My daughter's 15 or 16. She's not pregnant. And it turns out that she was pregnant, but she hadn't told him yet. And she was a month pregnant. And they knew that because she was buying like a, a vacuum or something like that, where they're like the correlation between what you are buying now shows that you are two weeks pregnant. Like, have you heard this story? No, I haven't, but I, I know that stuff like that is certainly possible because whatever you search for, it sees the other people in your house and it's, those search ads show up on those on their searches as well. Yeah, so it's quite, uh, they can predict the, these things. But also, I be, there's a law where, so Publix, I'm trying to, you're, you're in Florida, so you have Publix, there's Kroger, there's um, Safeway. They track all of the, your buying history and you can actually email them and say, hey, give me my records, and they have to give you their, your records. Oh, wow. And so I've always thought, I'm like, how can I use this information you know, for, as a business? And sometimes I'm like, I wonder if people would pay money if I could just wipe all that stuff. Well, well, here's, here's a company I know that's uh, it's based in Austin, actually. So they use public records about, so, so every time you buy a car, of course, it's registered with the state, they know when you buy it. They know what you buy. They know where you bought it. So this company gets all this data from all 50 states and then car dealerships subscribe to their data. So I, let's say I'm a car dealership. I know that, you know, Sam bought a it buys a Toyota Prius every two years and two years are coming up. He usually buys it at the car dealership down the street. So, I, but I, I'm subscribed to this company. So I will proactively call you a month in advance of when you usually buy the, your next Toyota Prius. And I'll say, Hey man, we can buy We can get it for you 40% off. Those other guys have been ripping you off. So they use this public data. Wait, what, where, where, where do they get the data? They get it from uh, the DMV. Yeah. The DMV in every state and it's all public information. And they just like, and they, and they just organize it. Well, they organize it and they do AI. They kind of, they predict, um, when you're likely to buy, cause it might not be every two years. I'm giving a very simple wow. example. It might be when certain events happen or certain life events. What's the name of this company? Uh, I actually don't know. It's a cousin of mine. <laughs> so it's just, he's always, he's always talking to me about it. I've never asked them the name of the company. Does it work? Yeah. Yeah. It works. He's, he's, uh, they've got like tens of millions in revenues and car dealerships, you know, all over the country. I mean, he's, he helped my wife buy uh, rent a car when we moved here because he every he deals with every car car dealership in the country, and it's you know AI combined with big data, and he uses it to predict your car buying behavior so that dealerships can win you over. So imagine if you got all this data from the supermarkets, you know, if you, the supermarket could you could recommend, hey, Win Dixie Kroger's has got your 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 customers in your area, but this guy always buys like you know. Uh, $100 worth of stuff at the beginning of every month, uh, toothpaste, this, this. You could even offer a subscription crate of these things to that customer. So potentially you could do the same type of company using big data and, and AI. That's crazy fascinating. Hey.com can do it. Like hey.com can get all this data. So it's not like you're reliant on someone who's selling your data back and forth. Hey.com can actually you know, bring all of this stuff in-house, meaning in your own email box, 
and do these recommendations for you. That's super fascinating. And maybe maybe even negotiate with, uh, so hey.com could say, I've got 50 potential uh, buyers that go to Safeway every month on this day, but how about I contact them for you? I'm not telling you who they are, but how about I contact them for you uh, for a price and try to get all 50 to go to Kroger's instead of Safeway? That's super fascinating. I mean, I think that there's so much opportunity in, I think the things that we're discussing, I think there is this thing boiling up of, um, of both the combination of like, we've discovered opportunities based just based off of using people's buying patterns and data and things like that. But I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities of people who want to protect that data. Cause I could tell you right now, I would pay money if, and if you could prove that you could just, just wipe me. Like, I don't want to be on, I don't want to be tracked like that. And I don't even know how I, the, the, to be frank, it's probably helps me that I'm being tracked. Yeah, in most cases it does, right? Like you want a, a car dealership, two car dealerships to compete for you instead of you just blindly going to the same one who takes advantage of you. So, so in those situations, the fact that people know your data help you. Uh, but I'm just thinking in terms of helping your, you know, like if I, let's say I use hey.com, wouldn't it be great if using hey.com, not only behind the scenes protected my privacy, but in a, positive way made my networking better and made my you know my my commerce cheaper and more efficient have you heard of reportive no so what you're discussing um i never really thought about but it actually makes a ton of sense so in 2011 there was this tool called reportive this guy named rahul invented it uh rahul was from he's an indian guy from england who lived in america and then his co-founder was named Martin. He's an English guy who lived in America. And they, um, the whole premise was that you can, it's you plug it into your Gmail, and if James emails me, and I've never talked to you before, your information, James come, James's information comes up so I could see his LinkedIn profile, his Facebook, his uh, work title, things like that. You know what I'm talking about now that I'm mentioning it? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I was also thinking, why don't you do the same thing for, for Hey? So, and maybe not even... If, if you never talked to me, what about if I could, like if Sam emails me, maybe I should see his latest tweets. Well, let me tell you why this is interesting. So Reportive, now they were acquired by LinkedIn for $15 million. Now that service is a commodity. Every, there's like a thousand services that do the same thing. But do you want to know what Rahul's second company is after Reportive? Tell me. Superhuman. Uh, yeah, so he knows exactly where all the data is. He knows, he, he, he so the way that you're, you're thinking superhuman is, hey, competitor, it's a email service. Uh, there, this idea of like networking and email, it, it is quite fascinating. I think it's, a, it's an incredibly complicated challenge to figure out how those are going to connect and become something that people love and use. But this like kind of academic exercise of under, figuring out how they connect is quite, quite fascinating. But if you think about it, you, you do your networking through email. There's no reason they shouldn't connect. Like it's odd that they that they that we think of them as separate concepts. So like, yeah, hey, I agree, I agree. I just don't know how that would work. Yeah, I think for for me, my big problem is is that I lose track of people, and so what I typically do manually is I'll look back through my email seven years ago, and if there's someone who sent me an email and I never responded, I'll respond as if it's as if they just sent me an email yesterday. And so I'll do this manually. And that usually kind of wakes up the connection again. You did that. I did that to you. <laughs> yeah. You like replied like over a five-year-old email. Yeah. From 2014. 
you want to hear? Let me tell you a funny story. Uh, I got this email in 2014 from this guy, and it my friend introed introed me like, hey, uh, or was no, sorry, 14 or maybe it was, sorry, 17, 2017 or 16, and he said, hey, my friend's gonna run for the president, and I was like, and and you should cover him in the hustle, and I'm like, president of what? And he's like, America. And the guy chimes in, the, and he goes, hey, it's me. Uh, I would love if I, you could interview me. Um, I'm running for president. And I was like, dude, like, no, you're going to make me look like an idiot. I'm interviewing some wacko who's going to run for president. Well, it was Andrew Yang. Oh, my gosh. And I had that email from, like, 2016 or whatever it was when he said he was going to run for president. And I was like, you're stupid. You're, you're like, you look like a crazy oh. person. So so imagine was, this. I, I wanted to reply to him, like, in 2020 and be like, I see you on TV. You are right. I was wrong. I'm sorry. No, no, but but imagine imagine if you had replied, "Okay, I'll interview you." <laughs> like people kind of respond to humor. So I I know that's what I was gonna reply with. And when you told me your story, I'm like, I gotta do that with Andrew Yang. Like like one time in like 2004, I had a reader that for my birthday bought the domain name JamesAltitude.com. I didn't own my name and. I didn't think I needed it, so I never replied to him. And so in 2010, I finally hit reply on that 2004 email, and I said, "Okay, thanks. I'll, I'll just send it over to you know GoDaddy." And so I repl I replied as if he had just said this yesterday, and we became friends after that because the, the humor aspect, you know, kicked in. And and that did he try to get get paid? No, no, no. He's like, that's the longest time between responses I've ever seen. Here's the domain name. And so that works. And so you could imagine, so, okay, so, so that made me think of something when you said the Andrew Yang. Imagine if someone writes to me who I don't know, like you didn't know this guy and he's, he's on the thread. And then suddenly there's a news spike about that name. It would be good if hey.com notified me, hey, uh, uh, you know, someone who was in, this guy, Andrew Yang, who was in your email thread three years ago, suddenly there's a 6,000% there's a, a spike in news stories about him. Um, here's the email you didn't respond to. Boom. That's easy to do. And that would be a positive service that I, I would love for my email provider. I think that as we're talking about this, uh, the idea of superhuman, the idea of hey, and if there's any technical folks out there listening or people who are good enough to lead a technical team, I think that the opportunity for these services, like to me, this is like Bitcoin in 2011. Like it's a, you could launch something so shitty. The market's going to pull something amazing out of you. That and like the the likelihood of failing is quite low. I feel like even if your product is bad with these right. email services. With, with, with like and again, I appreciate and it's a good thing the privacy stuff. But like you said, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's it's neutral to you to your life. And it's also it's behind the scenes, so you're not really all that clear how it's helping you. But if the, if 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 someone could build that, um, but then include some positive services like you know the reportive style features or these networking style features or you know um and we, we've listed like three or four different uh networking techniques that could be used uh it's it seems like or or this eight these you know automated commerce features so oh you got like um you know all these amazon receipts a month ago for toilet paper paper towels uh soup cans do you want to uh, reorder? Or let's say I'm in Florida, a hurricane's coming. You know, hey, sends me an email. A hurricane's coming. Do you want to load up on Campbell's soup cans like everybody else does during a hurricane? So, you know, stuff like that. Like, you know, you, you kind of extrapolates from common behavior and and uh, does automated commerce for you. Or, or actually then negotiates 
with, by sending emails or, or negotiate somehow with the, with the, the automatically with the grocery stores or whoever to get the best prices. So, God, I love talking about email. Now I I'm on board with all that. Do you want to hear another alternative? Which oh, is- but I'll, I'll add one. I'll add one more thing. I would combine the idea of hey with the idea of uh, community and get somehow get SMS in there. So let's say uh, you know Sam's a busy guy. He travels. I know he don't, doesn't really open up email all that much, but I know just because everybody does, you probably open up ninety eight percent of your SMS text messages. Uh, it would be good. Once you send me something on Hey and I sign up for Hey and I put in my phone number, will I allow my friends to text me? Maybe, you know, Hey could combine with some, you know, uh, texting features as well. Make it a, a kind of a, I don't know what you would call that, more like a tighter email service. So it's more likely people will see my messages. Yeah, the, the, the fact that text is so separate from email is quite crazy. Yeah. Um, and just like the fact that we're going back to email now for a lot of things, we're going like I use email as my search engine. So if I'm looking for Andrew Yang, I'm going to search my my Gmail database of 300,000 messages before I go on to Google. So uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, eventually we're going to go beyond that. And we're going to go more to texting, but texting is kind of controlled now by all the phone networks. It's it's almost an antiquated thing, and it needs to be upgraded. If I'm able to kind of combine how I use texting with email. That's an enormous thing, which is why something like Twitter got big because originally that was thought of as an SMS service. And it's why this community um, service, is, is, which is still in beta, is going to get, probably will get big. Have you used Ant? Okay, so uh, for all the listeners... AMP from Google, you know what that is? Accelerated no. mobile pages. Uh, you know how, like, let's say you go on Safari or you go on Google Chrome on your phone and you type in Trump. Uh, on the top results, you're going to see Google News and then you're going to see a bunch of other normal results. And there's a little lightning bolt next to it. And you click it and it's a really fast page. You, you, you know what I'm talking about? No, I haven't seen that. It's 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 a it's a thing. It's a it's a big thing. I mean, this isn't like some like small thing that I'm talking about. Um, so it's called accelerated mobile pages, and it only works on your phone. And it's like you never clicked a news article, and it loads really quick. What the publishers do is they you have to install this line of code, and Google says, "All right, anyone who has this code, we're going to rank you higher in search because this is a faster mobile experience for users." Well, what Google released uh, about a year ago, and it's still just it's just now barely out of beta, is they're doing ex. Uh, AMP emails. And so what's going to happen is you're going to be able to interact with your email. You're going to be able to like swipe in your email, in your inbox. Um, And I think that that technology is going to, I think, change the world. Like this is how big of a deal this is going to be because you're going to be able to buy stuff in email or you're going to see something on your phone in your email and you're going to click, you're just going to click one button and you're going to purchase that in email. You know, you know, that's great. Yeah. And and so I think that anyone who uh, is interested in this, I would go and research this technology. I think it's actually going to be really, really, really cool for you to add stuff to cart or change the size of a shirt in email or... So like, for instance, there's a confirmation of an order and you decide to change or like, what what kind of email will you get? So, okay. So here's the simplistic version, which is you buy t-shirts from J. Crew, 
they're going to send you an email every once in a while that says, hey, we have a, a new thing of t-shirts. And you go through and you you pull up your email and it says, alert, J.Crew has new shirts. And you just look at it and you can see the shirts, the colors, the sizes. And in the email, you're not clicking off to a new website. You do all of that in there. And you just click like your your fingerprint thing and boom, bought. My wife just told me you could do this for upselling. Ah, uh, Yeah, that's a good idea or abandoned cart stuff. So if you abandon your cart, it's like, hey, look, uh, you almost finished your order and then you get the email, but you literally just tap a button and you 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 buy right there on the spot. This is actually going to change, uh, I think, how a lot of, like, you're never going to go to, you're, you're not going to go to a website ever again. Imagine that same concept would apply to text where the open rate is 90% instead of 10%. So like, for instance, when I get an email from Amazon, I don't ever open it. But if I get a text, I open it just because it's a text. I think text right now is underutilized. I agree email is underutilized with all these features that we're talking about, but text is even more underutilized. It's like we're still texting the way we texted, you know, 15 years ago. I completely agree. Are you guys, uh, when we talked about newsletters last time, everyone loved it, but with your company, are you guys using text at all? Um, I like get nervous to use texting. Are you guys using it? No, but I am, um, for, first off, I just think from, from a pure perspective, like if someone's listening to this, there's so many opportunities for subscription newsletters, but substack.com is, is this amazing site where you, within five minutes you could set up a four pay subscription newsletter. This never existed before, despite the, the ease of the technology, no one had ever created this before, but I do think texting should be, should be used as a marketing tool. There's all sorts of regulations, but, uh, you know, companies like community are getting through those regulations. And I think it's, I think it's worth it because again, yeah. Did you, do do you use community? I'm about to start within the next day. I just kind of got onboarded to their beta. It's so expensive. Uh, I don't even know. uh, Are you, are you in the beta or? Uh, We went through, I got invited to basically, so is it community.com? Yeah. Community.com is the service where, I hate saying this, I think it's like only for influencers at first. Basically, you have to have like a large following and you put in your Twitter handle, like text this number and I will send you my updates whenever. And so uh, for somehow, because I have a Twitter following, I think I got invited to use it. And I went through the thing and I it was like three grand a month, I think. I don't remember what it was. And I was like, Ugh, I don't want to like, I don't want to have to be dedicated. I don't want to have to talk to people all the time. You should try again because maybe they're not, maybe they opened it up for free now. So I haven't seen anything about pricing. I should use it. I think it's a cool, I just didn't want like another thing that I had to um, do regularly. Yeah. But at the same time, like if you're, if you're a newsletter purveyor, which you are, then uh, again, you know, your open rates on the newsletter, I, I don't know what they are, but the average newsletter is about 15 to 20%. And ours is like 55. It's quite high, but a 98 but, would be awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, 55 is huge because uh, you guys do provide huge value. Like I said the last time, I would say, you know, the hustle, trends. And for me, I check out Morning Brew. Um, these are like the main newsletters I do. Uh, I read every day. So, uh, and I get tons of newsletters. But uh, yeah, 98% is is huge value. Texting is just in general, like a much higher open rate. And, and, you know, there's more regulations, but there's regulations involving email newsletters as well. Yeah, I don't try to, but you can definitely get around a lot of those regulations as well. Yeah, and so, like, imagine if, hey, um, like, my closest friends are the ones who are willing to share their phone numbers or I have their phone numbers, 
you know, like let's say I first sign up for Hey and I send you an email and it just pops up a window, you cool with sending, you know, having um, Sam access your phone number. Now, boom, I can, you can either text me or I could text you or email you all through Hey. That seems like a, a, a positive service that adds to my life as well. I'm into it. I like, I like all these, I like this line of thinking. Do you have, um, do you have even, you said you had a list of ideas. What else were you thinking about? Well, I was going to ask you about some ideas. Oh, I can, can I tell you one? All right. Can I tell you yeah. one that's like totally not like any of this stuff? Well, maybe I could, I connect it in a weird way. Okay. But do you have good posture? Um, medium. I did yoga for a long time. That probably helped my posture. Have you worked on it? Yeah. With yoga. I don't. I haven't done yoga in a long time. So I started reading this book called The Happy Body. Have you heard of The Happy Body? No. It's very, very interesting. And so, basically, I on one of my podcasts, I just mentioned that I had scoliosis, which basically just means one shoulder leans the other way. It's just not good posture, and it's not shitty for aesthetic. I mean, it makes you look bad, but it's just like unhealthy, like that your body doesn't work the way it does. And, and, and basically it all comes down to is the fact that we're sitting in front of our computers with our head down all the time. And I started reading the happy body and it's written by this Polish weightlifter who was a world record holder at a variety of Olympic lifts. And then he was like, wait, like having all this muscle, I don't really need it. You don't, you know, you don't need to be that strong. You, You need to be like a like you need to be like the perfect amount of strong and have the perfect amount of muscle, which isn't that much. Um, but you really need to be able to put your hands above your shoulders and squat and have thoracic spine flexibility and all this stuff. And I've started doing these exercises and it's quite life changing, to be honest. And I what I what I think is going to happen is I think that there's going to be a variety of headspace and calm style apps, but for um posture and um yeah you can imagine like a fitbit of posture i think that we're going to see that a lot because i think that as people are working from home they're starting to optimize their work their workstation setups and um i think we're going to see a lot of that and, and then and, and i think we're going to see that change and become quite popular you know my my problem always is there's i don't have that many needs <laughs> meaning like i don't really go out of my way to buy clothes or, you know, maybe the only thing I ever purchase is books and I don't drive a car. I don't really deal with my living situation that much. That's why I lived just in Airbnbs for, for years until essentially until I got married and so on. And so, uh, uh, it's, it's almost hard for me to kind of come up with all these, you know, like, I don't really care so much about many things that other people, like, I don't care how many steps I walk per day. And, why? But that, why don't you care about your body? Like your shell? Well, I, I do, uh, but I know that I, I do all the basics. So I eat well, I sleep eight hours a day. I don't need a device to tell me how many hours to sleep. I, I know how to eat well. And, uh, you know, movement, I know that it's good to get outside and do exercise, you know, at least, you know, sometime per day. So it's not like, and like you said, you don't have to overdo it in any direction. So I figure that, it, and I, I understand, you, you know, measure what matters, but, and I do to some extent, but I'm able to, it's not that hard. I'm able to know, did I sleep eight hours? I'm able to know, did I, did I eat uh, pretty, did I snack or did I eat well today? I'm able to know, did I do some exercise today? So I don't really like to gamify everything because then it's, it's a stress. I'm not trying to gamify it. I'm trying to be 80 years old and not fall yeah. over and get hurt. I agree. So maybe something like that's useful, but I, I always feel like I kind of think about that anyway without having to like rely on, 
uh, an ele- but maybe, but maybe, but I see the use for it. It's just, it's kind of like a, a second degree away from how I normally think. Whereas I'm more, I'm more likely to think about like what we were talking about with, Hey, I'm more likely to think of what can help me live a better life. Oh, I just spent six weeks not communicating with anybody. It should pop up a, a reminder more than, you know, in Gmail pops up some reminders like that, but I need even better, like smarter reminders or, or smarter, you know, automated commerce reminders and, and so on, things like that. Or I'd like more information like, oh, this guy just emailed me and wants to advertise on my podcast. Who is he? Well, I have to go separately to another window and Google them and see if they're legit or not. I'd like to know maybe within the email whether this is legit. So st- stuff like that, that actually improves my life, uh, that's particular to me. Or, you know, like right now we're recording this on Squadcast. Well, it's a shame to me that there's not video on both sides. Uh, you know, I, we're going to release the audio of this podcast, but and we see each other, but Squadcast doesn't record the video. So, you know, s- stuff like that that makes the, my very particular job or the things I do during the day better is what always uh, attracts me. So did you did, yeah did you have a list of ideas that were or, or, or one idea that was in vain or, or in line with that? Yeah, so I'm I'm building right now. Imagine Zoom, but you know a ton more features. Like okay, the, the obviously the audio recording on both sides, which which Squadcast has, which we're using right now, video recording on both sides, and progressive uploading. Uh, so even. Even Zencaster is not, not going to do progressive. They, they're going to do video on both sides, but they're going to do um, not progressive uploading, but just recording on both sides and then uploading at the end. And also I'd like some filters uh, when I'm doing a podcast, like Instagram style filters, particularly if I'm doing meetings and, and I can imagine choosing their, the right filter for the meeting for a video remote meeting. And that's not baked into any software. The other thing is, I know all sorts, you know, I run a comedy club, so I know there's been thousands of Zoom comedy events. I even know there's been Zoom opera singing events and all sorts of events now on Zoom. You know, there's better event organizing and even ticketing inside and even social networking and discovery inside a video conferencing platform. So what do you mean you started this? So I, I got a bunch of programmers. I'm a programmer and started building it. So we're, we're almost done building our version of this. How so, many people did you employ? Uh, it's about four right now. Are they American? Yeah. Yeah. All, cause I've, I've built companies using non-American and you know, nothing wrong with that, but it's harder to gauge the skill level and it's harder to keep in touch. So how many, what, what did you, how much did you fund this with? Can you say that? Yeah, over you know it's it's kind of in process, but like initial funding is like around a hundred. So it's not That's so. It? It, yeah, because wow. of uh, you know, it's not taking long for anybody, and I gave equity out, so I'm not I'm not a hog on equity, and uh, uh, and you know there's there's room for this because Zoom is not a competitor, right? Because they're still absorbing 600 million new users, <laughs> so they got they've got their own issues. When is this uh, going to launch? Uh, hopefully within the next few weeks. And are you? Who runs Choose Yourself? Uh, what do you call it? Choose Yourself Financial or choose, choose Your? What do you? Whatever. Yeah, what Choose Yourself you? Financial. So that's a whole. That's Agora as a whole other company. I'm not really involved in the management of that at all. I mean, I was initially, but I sold that. So I'm not. I'm not. Uh, you know, and so I, this, I, is I go, this is this is your gig, your full time gig. Then this competitor. Yeah, I have a lot of full time gigs, but yeah, it's one of them. Wow. So, who's the head of product? Like, who's the product decision maker? 
Uh, it's me and the main programmer. So, you know, we, we've both been coming up with the features and, and, and Jay up top over here, uh, the audio engineer has been, uh, he, cause he, cause we're going to have, you know, we're going to put audio mixing in, uh, so in real time. So Zencaster has audio mixing post production, but not during real time. I, I'm, I think that this is another idea where even if you suck, you're probably going to be successful. Although I don't think you will suck. But I'm more so amazed at how fast and cheap you you made this. Well, because there's a lot of open so source software, so the real key thing is the features. So and and kind of how you you know you think about what the areas were domain experts in. So you're a domain expert in in email, and you've been doing podcasting. I'm I'm a domain expert in podcasting, so I know very detailed after thousands and thousands of podcasts uh, uh, what features I need. But also as an event organizer, I know very detailed uh, what features I need. And I've been an investor in like, you know, I was an investor in Ticketfly, so I understand ticketing and micro-commerce and, 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 and things like that. So uh, you could imagine in a, in a Zoom comedy event, what if I wanted to tip somebody? So that could happen through the software. So there's did, all did, sorts did of- Did you know that the tipping feature of Twitch, like it's like drives hundreds of millions in revenue? I, yeah. I, I didn't think that was a, uh, I, if someone told me tipping, I'm like, that's stupid. That's charity. no, it's huge because it's think huge. about it. How do you make money on YouTube? You could only make money on YouTube if you have millions of followers, but there are, there are plenty of people who have no followers, but they'll have a video that has millions of views, but they can't monetize it because they've never monetized before. It would be good if YouTube, for instance, had a tipping feature. So, but if, if you have a video conferencing software that combines social networking so that videos could remain on the platform somewhat um, and or podcasts or events or meetings or whatever, and then there's discoverability, which doesn't happen on any video conference. Like if I wanna know about a virtual comedy event, for instance, someone has to send me an email. I'd like to be able to find it through the platform, but Zoom doesn't even know who I am. So uh, there's no social networking on any video conferencing platform. So adding the, even just a few of those features is like a huge win compared to everything out there. Uh, so, so there's kind of like old school stuff that needs new, better features like podcasting. And then there's new stuff like none, no video conferencing platform has any sense of social networking, except for maybe like Skype vaguely, but, uh, it's just a, no, but I know, I know exactly what you mean. It doesn't do a good. No, it's just like messaging and, and whatever. So, uh, and then there's also like these, you know, micro commerce things like Venmo and stuff that has small social, uh, uh, media features. But again, video conferencing has not really been integrated into uh, combined with social networking at all. And we see now with this lockdown that it should be like, I have to read about zoom events on my friend's Facebook wall, as opposed to having it within the platform. So, uh, you know, that's, that's a problem, but, and, you know, and some of the features you mentioned, even with, Hey, could be interesting if there's, you know, Oh, you know, I wake up and I see on my, on my video conferencing calendar, Oh, your friend, Sam is having a, a an ask me anything about startups today on zoom at 2 PM. Do you want to have us recorded or do you want to attend it? Stuff like that. Yeah. I'm very fascinated by these things. I like, uh, yeah, I think that, um, there's so much opportunity out there. It's there is. So much. Yeah, can, and look, can, and the world's changing. Like, for instance, right now, okay, what what am I? This is non-tech at all, right? So, what am I wearing right now? It looks like I'm wearing a, a shirt, but I'm actually wearing pajamas. I've worn nothing but pajamas for the past thirty days. 
I, uh, I've, what I've, are those, I've got. <laughs> what are those called? They're just pajamas. I'm doing just. J- this is more. This is more in the. Well, what's that brand? It looks like a jacket. I don't even know. My wife got it. Yeah, it looks like a button-down shirt or whatever. My wife got it. We've been. I've been trying out all sorts of pajamas um, for the past three days. I've gone out to. I've gone out to eat at restaurants. I went protesting in New York wearing pajamas. I performed comedy wearing pajamas. Uh, well, what I does just, that word pajamas even mean? Does that just mean cotton? All all po- cotton uh, or cotton. linen? But it's also by definition, it's just the most comfortable clothes you're going to wear during the day. You could sleep in pajamas. You don't sleep in a suit. You don't sleep in a button-down shirt with a tie. You don't sleep in your Brooks Brothers slacks or whatever. Uh, but I, you do sleep in like cotton or linen, you know, light uh, pajamas. And so there's a combine it with another right. And so again, we're living in this lockdown environment that's not necessarily, even if it goes away, even if we all quote unquote go back to work, we're now going to be home more than than we used to be. So having, you know. Having um, a sense, you know, pajamas are going to be more commonly worn. So why not have them as outerwear as well as innerwear? So nobody does designs on pajamas as if they're outerwear. But here's the other thing too. So there's, and there's brands that do this, copper infused pajamas. So copper is an antiviral and antibacterial metal, just like silver is. So silver, the reason why you have, the reason why you eat with silverware is because it disinfects the food on the way to your mouth and it's antibacterial. So think about copper and you know, in a coronavirus scared world, think about copper infused fabrics to make your pajamas. Uh, uh, so you're, so, so it's acceptable now to more acceptable to wear your pajamas, your nicely designed pajamas that are copper infused outdoors. So I've been thinking of, have you, have you, do you know what JD power is? No. Basically it's like, when you see like Chevy has a commercial and like we won the JD Power Award for XYZ and it's kind of a scam a little bit, but it's like a certification. It's kind of like, um, you know how like in order to have organic, like to be organic, certified organic, it's like you like jump through these hoops and it's like, all right, we've labeled you as organic. Do you think that, uh, and JD Power does the same thing. It's like we are JD Power, like, I don't, and I don't even know what it means. Um, but do you think that this is going to happen with, uh, uh, how clean restaurants are or how clean, like, is there going to be like this Corona certification, like this bacteria certification for a hundred percent. So, so what you just talked about, there's so many different business models that I've been thinking about around that. So yes, which by the way, that model is like one of the most profitable models there is because you're selling your just stamp and, but it's incredibly hard to stay truthful and ethical. And just think about it from a corporate level, even more than a small business level. Fortune 500 companies spend over $100 billion on all kinds of compliance. So compliance in general, like the word compliance is already in Fortune 500 budgets. So now if you go to an HR department of Procter & Gamble and you say, listen, we're the coronavirus compliance experts. We'll come in and give you a free talk and guide how you can be coronavirus compliant state by state. What are all the regulations, what you need to do? And then, you know, that gets you in the discussion with them. And then you say, okay, for X price, we'll come in every month and make sure you're coronavirus compliant. For another price, we'll sell you a subscription basket for all your branches or divisions or whatever. Here's all the tools you need for coronavirus compliance. Like here's the ultraviolet lights. Here's the correctly approved sanitizing. And then we'll certify you. I think that's a a billion dollar business, multi-billion dollar industry, but since it's wide open right now, like there are zero businesses in the space, it's a huge 
Yeah, like, are people going to do this for, like, grocery stores or restaurants or hotels? Everything. A hundred percent everything. And you could start right now, whether you're a 16-year-old kid or you're a lawyer or whatever. Like, if you're a kid, I would go to every restaurant in your local town and say, well, we'll here's our checklist. We'll make sure your coronavirus compliant every week, and we'll put, we'll put this up. And by the way, we advertise it in the local paper and, and list all the coronavirus compliance stores. So... Uh, and, but if you don't use us, here's a subscription basket that you need, uh, with the most coronavirus compliant, uh, materials. Like here's the masks, here's the what gloves, here's the China? wipes. What, surely like China and Japan and Korea have had a history of SARS and all this other stuff. What do they, I wonder what they do. Uh, I would love to like research, uh, the Asian countries and, uh, or Asia and see how they've adapted to this. Cause surely, cause like. There's been a multiple epidemic or a pandemic. Yeah. I wonder how, how, what they've done. Well, a couple of things. One is, is they're more culturally compliant anyway, uh, which is why they didn't kind of have regulations to lock people down as much as the U.S. did. But the other thing is we're passing, the U.S. is the one passing laws about this and it's state by state. So it's difficult to comply. And the other thing, the, the third thing is there's technology now that, that, you weren't even aware of three or four months, nobody in the world was aware of like ultraviolet light might have an effect on coronavirus, you know, on surfaces. So we know now a little bit more about what kills viruses versus what kills bacteria. You know, we know day by day, the research is getting updated on masks. So the idea of a subscription kit and, 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 uh, uh, you know, up-to-date maintenance and people actually physically doing the compliance or people doing the certification, all of these things are either separate businesses or one business, depending on what you want to do. But it's it's absolutely a, a, a ten to a hundred billion dollar industry that hasn't there hasn't even been one dollar in revenues created yet. So God, I'm getting I'm getting so greedy just thinking about all this. I'm like, like just imagine this, a subscription crate. Like every month, we'll send you twenty masks. We'll send you twenty gloves. Uh, here's the the ultraviolet light you need. Here's the um. Um, the, the copper infused sheets for your bed. Here's, uh, uh, you know, the the right scrub for your surfaces. So when you just need a new one every month because the old ones are dirty. So th just that crate alone, people will pay for. God, that's fascinating. I, uh, I'll, I've got to, uh, I'll have to log off in the next handful of minutes, but I had a question for you about newsletters. It's something that we talked about last time and people emailed me with questions. And so I, I I think it was fascinating. So with with our our trends thing, it's pretty cool. And what we're going to do, so it's like a paid newsletter, but our community is actually more popular. So eventually we're going to launch like this uh, higher end peer group type of service thing. But with with newsletters, with your guys' paid newsletters, was it as simple as just having like a, 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 a niche writer and you just, did paid marketing to it and it was that was it that simple yeah i mean i was the niche writer and i and you know the other thing is i had an, an audience so i think the key thing which you know already but the key thing is 99 percent of your content should be free like and even by the way usually your best content should be free but then very highly specialized content which you do with trends is is what you charge for and you could charge a lot because it's so specialized uh but i'm also now more in favor of like you have sponsors on on your newsletter, right? I, I believe, or maybe I'm confusing with with Morning Brew a little. Bit. Yeah, no, we have advertising. But but I like I I don't like the ad model. I like um, I hate the even, ad model. 
but even on free, I like the affiliate ad model. You make a lot more money with affiliate ads. So you could still say this is sponsored, but if you're, if you're writing something on, Hey, social media agencies are trending now. There's, there's 55 courses out there on how to create the best social media agency, pick the best one and be in a, do an affiliate deal with them as opposed to getting them as a sponsor. So then it's more in your control who you put as an advertiser and you could speak directly to it. Like I chose this because, and you do a 50, 50 split on their, on their course. You can make uh, like five X the money. Are you, we charge $300 a year for our newsletter. What, what did you find was the optimal price? It's at $300 a year. It's hard to buy, like spend money to acquire customers. Yeah. I think $300 a year in now everybody's got a different opinion and every, and, and everybody, the, what I like about trends, you're saying you charge $300 a year for trends, right? Yeah. So $300. So, so trends is good because it's actionable. Like I expect to read trends and come up with a business idea, just like on a stock market newsletter, that's a, maybe slightly more actionable, but trends is still actionable in that, uh, Oh, this is a business idea. Okay. And he's telling me exactly how do I, how to do it. Okay. That's worth it. But $300 is sort of known as a uh, dead man's land. That's what I thought. It's like a hundred dollars or $2,000. Yeah, I think I think that's right. So so almost it's like trends should be your $100 one or your $90 one and then upsells from that should be your 2000 one. And and by the way, you have multiple 2000 ones and then you have an alliance uh product which combines for life all the $2000 ones so it's a one-time fee plus small maintenance uh and then that's, you know, maybe 6000 but discounted to 4000, you know, something like that. Yeah. So what what I think what I want to build I think what we're going to build is I, I think lowering the price of trends is actually the, a good idea. And then, uh, do you know, um, YPO and Vistage and things like that? No. YPO, it stands for Young's president or, or Oh yeah. Yeah. I know YPO or EO, which is, I don't know what it stands for, but EO is a thing. Uh, do you know what Vistage is? It's like a CEO no. network of like 25,000 CEOs and you pay a fee and you get act and you have a, a, a networking group, a peer group. I think we're going to launch something similar to that. I think that's the move. I'm very fascinated with these private networking groups that are not open to the public. Yeah, look at like Podcasters Paradise. Do you know Podcasters Paradise? Well, I know I don't subscribe. Is it awesome? It's good. Yeah, John Lee Dumas, and it's two thousand dollars to join, and it's got this thousands of people who have joined. So, like a four-pay Facebook group is also a good idea. Versus, there's no newsletter attached to it either. So, like you know, right right now I get the trends newsletter, but I get the benefit of. If you know somebody just asked on in your trends Facebook group today, um, what are some other high margin products like perfumes? And just looking down the comments of that question, I learned an enormous amount. Like this is why perfumes are high margin. This is a better way to attack the situation. Here are some other products like you know edible uh, gummies is another high margin product. Golf balls cost eleven cents to make, and you sell them for a dollar fifty each. I didn't know that, and so. There's value to your your trans Facebook group outside of I didn't even know I was gonna get that value outside of your newsletter. Yeah, it's so, cool, right? That's why I'm like, oh, the networking is way cooler. Yeah. Um people would be shocked at how many people would buy a two thousand dollar newsletter. I, I remember like if you told me that two years ago, I'd be like, What? Now you're you're I'm I'm not surprised anymore. But by the way, even if you don't need as many, you need seven times less, right? And, and by the way, when you want to really sell, you discount. So, uh, you know, every now and then you'll have discounts. And like, 
you know, trends, I don't think you want to make trends so expensive because it's such a, it, it's so valuable and you want a, a, a large audience for it to, so people could see the kind of value you deliver when you pay. And, but then the, the group itself or, you know, okay, maybe I want to see, maybe I want to have access to your, the, the, the best core, like, like you'll say something like in, in the trends newsletter, oh, um, co airline cocktail kits are a thing. That was cool, sell. right? You saw that yeah. one. But like, what I want to know is, what does that even mean? Like, how would I make that business? So I would pay for a higher end product so that every th single thing you mention in trends, I get 10 steps on how to make that business. I would 100% pay $2,000 for that. So like, but now you kind of gave me the work. You just gave me a great idea and you said, this is a great idea, but now I've got to do 100% of the work to figure it out. When I don't know how am I how am I going to make like a subscription airline cocktail kit? Like I would pay if you if ha even half the things you mentioned in trends I or 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 hustle I could then learn how to do even if I don't do it by the way because you know when people buy newsletters that are actionable they don't normally they don't take the actions they just like knowing more than other people <laughs> so that's why they pay they they want cocktail party conversation. God, this is awesome. Um, did uh. Did the last podcast we do together? Did people like it? Oh yeah, they. I, I think we got to do a regular thing. By the way, I think you. I'll do this regularly because whatever. So like, I was planning stuff that I was going to bring up on here, but now like I'm leaving this. I'm leaving this conversation incredibly inspired. I'm like, it sucks. There's so little time in the day. And by the way, I haven't gotten to any of the questions I wanted to ask you. So we gotta we gotta we gotta schedule now for our next one. Because okay, uh, you gave me an idea today, or, or I shouldn't say you. The um, one of the things in in the trends group, uh, I had never even saw this concept of minimalist wallet pads before. So you know, yeah, or, they're sorry, huge minimalist wallets. So uh, yeah, I didn't. What's the, what's it called? What, I don't know. I didn't even see. It. Did we talk about what's the one that starts with an R? Uh, Ridge. Ridge wallet. Yeah, they're huge. I, oh I yeah, I know Ridge wallet because a lot of uh, a lot of com a lot of comedy podcasts actually Ridge wallet sponsors. So yeah. I know Ridge. Do you have a minimalist wallet? Yeah, is my wallet. Up what there? What's the concept? Is that there's not that much leather or what? I mean, I looked it up. I clicked on the link and I and I saw on Amazon they're selling it. Um, but then it it's gave just, me an idea. Yeah, what's your idea? So my so so I. You know, I've written about in many of my books my concept of how to exercise the idea muscle, and and you write ten ideas oh, a day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I've done, I've been doing this for years and years. It's given me it's every oh, so that's a minimalist wallet. What makes it minimalist? Uh, I can only keep a few things in here. So like a few bills and like your cards. Yeah, I've got just I I only have this because I'm traveling. I probably have I have two hundred dollars and five or six cards. That's it. Right. So, so, so a lot of my readers, um, subscribe to my concept of in order to be creative, it helps, you know, you want to kind of, you got flex. Uh, yeah, yeah. You want to, you want to build the ditch before it rains. So, so you have to exercise your idea muscle every day. And I always say waiters pads are great. Just functionally, they're, the form factor is great. Functionally, they're great. They look good. And so I wanted to create uh, minimalist wallets with the form factor and functionality of waiters pads. And so people could also write their ideas on. So it gives you even more incentive to not, I'm always afraid to get a wallet because I'll lose it. Wait, you don't have a wallet? I don't have a wallet. I've never had a wallet. God, Every so girlfriend weird. I've ever had has bought me a wallet as a gift and I've never used it because I'll lose my wallet. Well, have you, you've seen this, right? No, what's that? It's called a tile. And uh, it, 
I keep it. It's the size of a credit card, and I keep it in my wallet, and it's attached to my phone. And so if I lose my phone, I just double click this, and it my phone makes a buzz noise. And then if I lose my wallet, I double tap my phone, and my wallet makes a noise. I I love that. But so my thinking was, and I'll I'll even steal that idea. But my thinking was combine the idea of a waiter's pad with the minimalist wallets because there's a little bit extra room now because they're minimalist, and so people could every time they pull out their wallet to pay for something, they're reminded to exercise their idea muscle and it'll, it'll look pretty. It'll have nice branding and uh, it'll keep you more attached to the wallet. So for someone like me, I won't lose it and even have to go through the whole, you know, functionality of tile to find it. So, but just small things like, like that. And your fans are going to buy that so much. Believe it or not, I'm, I'm excited about the video stuff, but I'm excited about the pajamas, but we'll see. I've got a whole branding of that as well. But there's all sorts of stuff. And then the coronavirus compliance, I wish I was excited about it, but I'm not. But that is, to me, the clearest way to build a business you could sell for 10 to 100 million within the next couple of years. Like there's, there's Yeah, I think that's a money-making machine. And it's so, you don't even need a website. I mean, you, yeah, need, you don't need a website. You and, just need a phone. And, yeah, and you, could, and you could imagine doing LinkedIn marketing to every HR manager on the planet. So it's you're going to get business. And- uh, you know, but I'm just, I'm not, I don't like to do things I'm not interested in, Same. but you know, you know, the other thing is next time let's talk more about, um, online education. Cause I think there's huge opportunities there. And I've got some good insight. I just did a course recently and, uh, I've got mixed feelings. What, what was the course on? It was called the ideation bootcamp. And I went through my research process of like finding opportunities and ideas. And, um, it was very profitable and, the ratings were high, but I did not like doing it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. But then, so so there, of course, there's the idea of making online courses. And I, I have, for instance, an online course on self-publishing. Same experience. Like I would have rather have had affiliated with an online course on self-publishing instead of creating one. But I do think this is relates back to certification. As higher education moves online, which it will, right? Like they now project there's going to be 15% less students in college next year than, than the year before. So there's, people still need to learn skills. So online education- How old are your is, kids? College uh, age? All, all between 18 and 22. Oh, so, so, so I am, I am massively in, in tune with this. I also was an investor in Teachable. I've been involved in other, you know, I built online courses. Oh, I just had dinner with uh, Encore in Austin a few days ago. Yeah, so Encore, I was, I was an investor. So uh, Were you in their seed round? I was uh, not in a big way though, so I didn't I didn't benefit like the way Encore did, but it, but I benefit. I made money, but you know, so there's there's it's already a glut of online schools, but the idea of uh, doing kind of certifications and almost like nano degrees across platforms, uh, you know, and and accreditation in such a way that the big companies will respect this just as much as they respect a degree from let's say Quinnipiac College uh, would be. Interesting. I mentioned Quinnipiac specifically because no one's ever heard of it. Never and, heard that. and yet Google will hire you if you went there, but they might not hire you if you uh, took a course on Coursera. Where'd your kids go? Well, one is about to graduate uh, college in London. Uh, it's a, w colleges in London are three years and they're much cheaper. Uh, one dropped out, thank God, because I, I, she wanted to be, she wants to be uh, an actor. And uh, my view to her was why take shitty acting classes? from a college when you could actually move to New York City and act. And do it. Uh, 
Another one is going to take a, a gap year and maybe never go. And she's already doing her side hustles on Etsy and Shopify and so on. Another one is not going to go at all. And she's into photography. There's no reason for her to go. And uh, another one is, is unfortunately going to go next year. She's starting, but I'm praying that they what just school? don't open up the school. She's going to go to Columbia. So Wow. Well, you have all girls, five girls? Four girls and one guy. You have a... Your your family is as interesting as your per, as your life. You are just the weirdest, strangest, oddest, but most interesting person I know. I, like most fathers would not. Just the way you answered that question was so not typical. Well, you know the thing is, I realized early on that even though I believe strongly in this, I'm not, you know this is not the fight when they're eighteen to have with them because they'll never speak to me again, and I want to be there for them when they're twenty six. But fortunately, just by representing my beliefs, it's kind of swayed, you know, at least three of them, you know, and maybe the fourth, we'll see. Um, but it's actually on, on Patriot Act, you know, Hassan Minaj's show on Netflix, uh, Patriot Act, he, uh, he, his last one this past Sunday was on Is College Worth It? And there's a little video clip of me talking about why college is not worth it. Wow. So he, he calls me an asshole in there, but that's okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Who? Hey, it's PR. Um, I've got a, I've got a run. I've been sitting in the look. I've been sitting in this car, and I'm actually gonna buy a nice car like this because this is awesome doing podcasts. Podcasts in here, but the podcast won't be all. Uh, yeah, exactly. Can I come back on again, like in the next few weeks? Because this is exciting for me. We'll do the whole thing. And can we record what I'm about to say? Can you guys, yeah. uh, my Twitter handle is the Sam Parr. So it's the word the, and then the word Sam, S-A-M, and then the word Parr, P-A-R-R. I would love you guys to tweet at me and let me know what you think about this because I like this and I want to come back again and make uh, it valuable for people. And so I want to figure out what uh, what was good and what wasn't and how, can, like, how I can make it better. Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. Because we got a lot of uh, feedback on the last one. More More feedback than I usually get. It was good. Great. Well, this is exciting for me. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.